0: This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to episode number 26, The Mentors in My Life and What They Taught Me. This is going to be an unusual show today about mentoring and mentors. And I hope you will take a minute to step back and think about the mentors of your life. And you might be surprised that there have been mentors in your life that you did not know they were mentors. What I'm going to cover today in the show is what is mentoring? Why do we need mentors? I'm going to tell you the story of the top 10 mentors of my life and uh, what I did is I wrote down uh, one big life lesson that I learned from each of these 10 mentors who ha- that had a huge impact on the direction of my life. And then a couple of applications for you. Remember that the show notes are at HansFinzel.com. I'm getting ready to do a show in a couple of weeks on answering tough leadership questions. And I'm trying to collect from you, my listeners, some tough leadership questions. So would you please be so kind as to go to hansfinsel.com, and you can uh, just go to the contact tab and send me a tough leadership question that I could answer on a future show. I won't reference your name, but I'd love to collect some questions that you'd like to ask. So I'll have a future show coming up on that. Uh, Just as a reminder, also the podcast directory is at HansFinzel.com. So why should this matter to you? The topic of this podcast today is the mentors in my life and what they taught me. It wasn't until later in my life that I realized people all along the journey and what an impact they had on me and who I am today. And as I tell you the stories of these 10 people, men and women, why this is important to you is because I hope it'll stimulate you to sit down and on your computer or in your journal, you will make a list of the mentors of your life and what they taught you. Not only is that a great way to appreciate these people, and in this list that I'm going to give you today, half of them are still living, and half of them have gone on, so they're no longer living. But even though some of them are no longer living, you know, the Bible talks about how we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I still want to live up to their expectations of me, because they all had one thing in common. They believed in me. And I want to do good on their behalf. You know, none of them I see on a day in and day out basis, but I want to do good on their behalf. Have any of you ever been trapped in this trap that I have about your parents where maybe you didn't live up to their expectations and even after they're dead and gone, you're still trying to please them? And if you (laughs) have... you know, my father's been gone for 30 years. I'm still trying to make him proud. My mother's been gone for over a decade. We had a very dysfunctional relationship. She put the dis in dysfunction. (laughs) She, you know, my brother and sister and I, we all talk about the fact that my mother was a POW, but not a war POW. She was a piece of work POW. God bless her. I loved her, but you know, I could never uh, satisfy her. I could never live up to her expectations. Seems like I was always in the doghouse with her. And even after she's long gone, I still uh, feel that pressure. <laughs> well, this, that's kind of negative, or I should say it's very negative. But this is positive. These mentors are positive, And they are the people that help make you who you are and helped you succeed. Maybe you don't feel too successful, but maybe you do. I-, I want you to take some time to think back. Who are the people that helped steer me and guide me in the direction and gave me that pat on the back and gave me that information I needed, gave me that push that inspiration to have me keep going on. That's a great exercise to help you appreciate that. But the other big, huge reason I want to talk about this topic today is because we need to be that for other people. Who are you mentoring? Who are you impacting? Who are you helping along life's journey? So I want to challenge you not only to to be appreciative of the people that mentored you, uh, but I also want you to think about how you can impact others. Now, let me tell you my view of mentoring. My view of mentoring is very organic and informal. You know, mentoring works in several ways. It works. I learned this from Bobby Clinton, and at the end of the show, I'm going to give you a great book to recommend on mentoring, but uh, mentoring is upwards, downwards, and sideways it means that we we actually have an impact on people above us in the organization. We have uh impact on people down. We have great impact on people we don't even work with that we just, you know, in this list that I'm going to give you, I think there's only one person on my list of 10 that I actually worked with in my career. The other people were ancillary to me, or and that's where we talk about the sideways mentoring where we mentor our peers and they mentor us. So it's important for you to understand my view of mentoring is very informal and organic. As I share with you uh, this list of 10 people that had a huge impact on my life and what they taught me, not a single one of them said to me ever, I'm going to mentor you or I'd like to mentor you or would you like me to mentor you? Didn't ever happen. It just wasn't until later I realized, wow, they had a huge impact on me, and I consider that mentoring. The definition of mentoring is an experienced and trusted advisor. That's what a a mentor is. A mentor advises or trains a person. And, uh, again, this was all so informal and organic but profound. I want to model something that I would challenge you to do, and here's my list of four things I'd like to recommend you do. Number one, make the list of the people who have made you who you are in a positive way. Okay, I don't want you to think about the negatives. This is positive. Make the list, and if you want to go with 10, I like the number 10. Maybe there's more, maybe there's less, but make the list of the people who have had made you who you are in a positive way. Number two, beside each name, list the single greatest contribution they made to you. What did you learn from them or what did they do for you that just had a huge impact on making you who you are? Number three, have you ever told them thank you? For some, it's not too late. And number four, this will really help you think about your impact on others. So the the last thing that I would suggest you do is make a list of some of the people that you are mentoring informally and having an impact on. Okay, now I'm going to go to my list. I want to tell you about these uh, these people and uh, the top ten list of mentors and the biggest lesson I learned from each of them. And as I go down this list, hmm, I don't think, eh maybe there's one. Or two people you might know on this list, but for most of you, you probably won't know any of them. There's probably only one person on this list that is somewhat well-known in Christian circles, but I'll start with number one, that's Bobby Clinton. Bobby Clinton was uh, my mentor, my professor of leadership when I did my doctorate at uh, Fuller School of Intercultural Studies. He did recruit me to study in his program when I was living overseas, and I decided I wanted to get a postgraduate degree. So he, of all these people, he was one who really uh, formally took me under his wing, and I studied under him for two years as I did my doctorate. And I, and, uh, I learned a lot about Christian leadership from um Dr. Bobby Clinton, and uh, I was his graduate assistant, helped him uh, grade papers and read papers and all this kind of stuff. Great guy, lives out in Pasadena, California. Shout out to you, Bobby. And here's, uh, I learned a lot from him about uh, Christian leadership and the fact that uh, it's very, it's a whole different layer than uh, secular leadership. But greatest lesson I learned from him, give up the right to be right. Give up the right to be right. When I went to study at Fuller, I was burned out. I was frustrated. We'd been missionaries for long enough to realize it's not as glamorous as people think it is. And we'd had some real conflict with people. And um, I learned to give up the right to be right, you know it's terrible when you always have to be right. And uh, it's a great release. He taught me that great lesson. You know, there's lots of different people in the universe. There's lots of different people in God's church and in the kingdom. And I don't always have to be right. Give up the right to be right. Number two, John and Joe Cook. They are the uh, owners and founders. uh, Well, actually, John Cook Sr.'s father founded cook's pest control which is based in decatur alabama Uh, cook's pest control is a great company and you know nowadays in the world of missions there's a lot of talk about bam business as mission well i'll tell you the cook family invented that over 50 years ago doing business for the glory of god and to and to push forward the kingdom of god john and joe cook and what I what I saw from them is number one, they believed in me when I was a brand new Christian. They took me under their wings. Uh John Cook was the first Christian man I ever saw and admired. I grew up in a non Christian home. I had a great dad, but here he was a godly Christian man. And Joe Cook was the first one of the two first godly Christian women that I met when I was a brand new college kid and I was a brand new follower of Jesus. They showed me what a man and a woman of God can be, but they also showed me the power of using your business— for the kingdom of God. And if you're a business person and you're listening to this, kudos to you, because I happen to believe a lot of people in business who are believers are actually in ministry using their business to fulfill God's purposes. And let me tell you, they don't just give money to causes for the kingdom, but their very business is uh, so God-honoring and such a powerful testimony of how to do business with integrity and honor God. And everything that they do in their business, it's so cool. Number three, Robertson McQuilkin. Let me just say about John and Joe Cook that John Cook uh, did go on to be with Jesus a couple years ago, Uh, but Joe Cook is in her mid-80s and still going strong, still working at Cook's Pest Control. So Joe, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. Thank you for how you've believed in me all these years. Uh, That's so cool. Robertson McQuilkin, the former president of Columbia International University. When I was a brand new Christian, I left the University of Alabama and I went to Columbia International University as a very raw Christian who needed to learn a lot. And I was from Alabama and I loved to go barefoot. I had long hair and (laughs) I cut off my hair and headed to the school. And Robertson was the president. And, you know, he believed in me. You know, that's the takeaway. A lot of these mentors, the one thing they all had in common or have in common is they believed in me. Now, I learned different things from different ones of them, but the common denominator is they believed in me. The thing I learned from Robertson McQuilkin is you can think outside the box. He was a very unorthodox kind of Christian, and uh, I just loved the way he thought outside the box. I also have to say I learned from him— what servant leadership is all about. He was the first person who showed me servant leadership because he was actually a missionary in Japan, he and his wife, and they they loved being missionaries, but they gave up their call to go be the president because Robertson's father, J.R. McQuilkin, actually founded the school, and he had um, to—his father suddenly died, and Robertson came back and served as president. And uh, I just admired that so much that he gave up his first love to serve the kingdom and be that uh, president of the the school. And uh, he was the president during my years there, and he believed in me. And that that meant a lot to me, and he thought outside the box. And let me just say one more thing I, I learned about Robertson. From Robertson's, how to really, really, really love your wife because Muriel, his wife, uh, got Alzheimer's. He actually resigned early and did not serve as president until his retirement because he resigned to take care of his wife, who became very sick with Alzheimer's. And um, what a a great story is for 10 years, he sat by her side and he took care of her in their home and gave up that career to serve and to fulfill his vow. I'll put in my show notes uh, the book he wrote about that. I can't right now remember the title of it, but I'll put it in my show notes, uh, show notes about the vow of in sickness and in health. Robertson McQuilkin. Wow, this is getting kind of emotional for me, and I don't usually get emotional, so (laughs) Robertson. Uh, Number four, Mark Bubeck, my father-in-law, also still living. Shout out to you, Dad. My earthly father died over 30 years ago, but God gave me the blessing of a wonderful father-in-law. Just like Moses had Jethro, I've got Mark Bubeck. And uh, Mark Bubeck is a man of God who took me under his wing. I call him dad. He calls me son. And what a blessing it's been to have dad as my father all these years. And what a spiritual man. He's written the book, The Adversary, a great book on spiritual warfare. Brand new edition just came out. You know, Donna and I had been married 38 years, and the book came out the year we were married, 1975. Moody Press continues to sell well. It's the definitive book, in my humble opinion, (laughs) on spiritual warfare. Here's what I learned from Mark Bubeck, The Presence of God and Scriptural Prayer. The Presence of God and scriptural prayer. I don't know anybody who has a more, more powerful prayer life than my father-in-law. And I saw him go through some deep, deep waters in his ministry. He was a pastor. He was a graduate of Moody and a graduate of Denver Seminary and pastors his whole career. And, you know, being a pastor is a tough job. And I saw him go through, through some very deep waters and he never quit practicing the presence of God and praying scripture as he prayed. So, Dad, thank you for your amazing example. And thank you for letting me marry one of your three daughters. Number five, Buck Hatch. James Hatch was my favorite professor when I was a brand-new Christian at the Columbia International University, CIU. Buck Hatch, he was the reluctant prophet, the reluctant teacher And when he stood in front of us as students, I have never seen anybody unpack the Bible like this man did. But he had a painful countenance. And I actually referred to him in one of my other podcasts on uh, Reluctant Leaders Make the Greatest Leaders. The thing that I learned from Buck Hatch is reluctant leadership leadership and that uh, he didn't want to be up there. He hated being in front of people. He just wanted to be by himself and everything he did because of the calling of God on his life and that he was gifted as a teacher and he fulfilled that gift and he got up there and he impacted so many people, the power of reluctant leadership. Number six, Bud Hinkson. Bud Hinkson, who was the director for Eastern Europe for Campus Crusade for Christ during the 1970s and 80s when uh, Donna and I went to Europe. And it was because of this man, the power of pure passion, that Donna and I decided to move to Europe and to make a difference with our lives and work on a team that was associated with Bud. The pure power of his passion. He's the one where I learned if you light yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. Uh, I, I like to say Martin Luther King did not say I have a plan. He said I have a dream. And I learned from Bud Hinkson how people love to follow passion and people will follow passion. And the greatest businesses and the greatest ministries and the greatest organizations and churches are led and driven by vision and passion. And Bud Hinkson, wow, did he affect a generation of people through his leadership at Campus Crusade for Christ. He was one of the top leaders for Bill Bright. Sadly, Bud left this earth prematurely. Over a decade ago, he had a bicycle accident uh, where he lived in Germany, tragically died from that bike accident. I guess Jesus wanted him up in heaven instead of down on earth, and surely his wife is still here plugging on, and what a great lady she is, but Bud Hinkson. Number seven, Howard Hendricks. Howard Hendricks was uh, the professor that I studied under as a student at Dallas Seminary. I went to Dallas Seminary as a young Christian after I finished Columbia for one reason. I wanted to study under Howard Hendricks and I wanted to learn to communicate the way he communicated. And here's what I learned from him communication clarity. Less is more. If there is fog in the pulpit, there is mist in the pew. Quit talking before they quit listening. I learned so much from him, the clarity of communication. Now, Howie believed in me, but he's a great example of a person who had a powerful public presence, but individually was very awkward. He wasn't warm. He was hard to have a conversation with. The reason I am talking about him in past tense is he just recently died as well. But what a, what a, he taught at Dallas Seminary for over 50 years and he created an army of Christian leaders. And he taught us so much about clarity in communication. And one of his quotes that I'll have to give you, there are so many, but he said, My greatest friend. Fear for you is not that you will fail, but that you will succeed at the wrong thing. Howard Hendricks. Number eight, Arno Enns. Arno Enns. That's spelled A R N O E N N S. Arno is still living. He's in his late 80s, lives here in Colorado. Very retired. He was um, my supervisor when we, Donna and I, were with World Venture when we were living in Europe. And what I learned from him is it's okay to color outside the lines. We need it. Mavericks bring us the future. You see, I am a maverick. I need to do a podcast just on that. Mavericks bring us the future. I'll do that. I'll make a note right now. But he was my boss. Okay, I'm going to go way back. In 1982, we were developing a leadership curriculum for leaders in Eastern Europe, and I needed to buy a computer. And nobody had personal computers. They had just come out, and I wrote him and said, Can I buy a computer. I'll raise the money. It was going to be $3,800. And he said, what do you need a computer for? (laughs) And I told him we're preparing curriculum and we need to use it to prepare and store and edit all this curriculum and print it and prepare it, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, yes, I was the first person in our entire organization worldwide to have a personal computer. It was a Tandy TRS-80, Tandy Radio Shack, TRS-80 Model 3. Wow, what a powerful machine. (laughs) You know, he always allowed me to color outside the lines. He believed in me. He championed me eventually to become president of our international organization. And I'll never forget, and he taught me a valuable lesson the champion Mavericks and to give creative types freedom because they do bring us the future. Number nine, Peter Pendell. And Peter, you're probably listening because you've been one of my faithful podcast listeners. You're still very much alive. And I actually, those of you who are listening faithfully to my podcast, you know, just a couple of podcasts ago, I had a whole interview with Peter. So I'd really encourage you to listen to that. And it's a reviving a leader's heart. Peter believed in me, supported me in my leadership. He was the chairman of my board for a long time. Uh, he showed me what gracious leadership is all about. He taught me how to be a good board member because I'm on, on some boards of some other organizations. And uh, he taught me how to be an empowering, supportive board Member, Uh, But here's the number one thing I learned from him, how to revive a burned out heart. I saw Peter go through burnout and, and not leave the ministry, but to work his way through it and to have his heart revived. And he really coached me through my own revival of my heart. And I just can't even begin to tell you all the ways he's walked alongside with me and Donna in our journey, especially our career transition over the last two years. Peter, thank you for walking by my side, how to revive a burned out heart and how to get your heart back and how important it is to pay attention to your heart. I really hope you'll listen to that podcast of the interview with Peter Pendel if you haven't already done so. Finally, number 10, kind of need a drum roll here. Sean Myers, who is still very much alive, and I think he's just turning 50 here pretty soon. Sean uh, works with Donna and myself in our Juice Plus business here in Colorado. I've known Sean for 12 years, and this is the career that Donna has been pursuing, uh, uh, creating healthy living around the world over the last 12 years. You know, Sean is so different than me, and, and uh, he would probably be surprised. Sean, if you're listening to this, you'll be surprised that uh, I call you one of my mentors. I guess maybe because I'm quite a bit older than you, but you have taught me so much. And see, here's a great living example of the fact that your mentors can be younger than you. They're not all going to be older than you. Be open to be what I call reverse mentored be mentored by millennials and let them change you and have an impact on your life. He taught me so much. Uh, He taught me to stay positive. He taught me to believe in myself. Uh, Sean is so positive. But here's the quote of the show that I'm going to finish up with that he gave me we're almost done with this show he says you're not going to get what you wish for you're going to get what you schedule in life he's a huge believer in goals and he he sets goals but he says you're not going to get what you want or what you hope will happen or what you wish for you're going to get what you schedule thanks Sean for the impact that you've made in my life so that's the quote of the show you don't get what you wish for you get what just schedule. I'd like to recommend the book Connecting the mentoring relationships you need to succeed. It's by Paul Stanley and Bobby Clinton with NAV Press. Great book. So in a few weeks, I'm going to have a show just devoted to tough leadership questions. Would you send me one of your tough leadership questions? Again, contact me on my website, hansfinzel.com, and send me a question I can answer. Look for that as an upcoming show. I've got some great shows coming up. Also, if you like the show, if you could go to hansfinselcom slash love it, I have a Prepared tweet there that you can shoot out to your Twitter followers. I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening and go out there and be a mentor and go thank the mentors of your life. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.